0: morning, church family. My name is Drew Martinez, and I serve as one of the pastors here at NBC MoCo, and I'm excited to dive into God's word with you this morning as we continue in our sermon series entitled, Now I See It. So over the past couple weeks, you've heard from uh, different pastors at NBC share situations in their lives that God has brought them through, and in hindsight, we're able to see God was working all along. And so today we're going to spend time in Psalm 88. Can you guys say Psalm 88? 88. We're going to spend time in Psalm 88. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to go ahead and turn there. And uh, just in case you don't have one on you, we'll also have the verses on the screen for you this morning. So as you're turning to Psalm 88, here is a little bit of context. This psalm is composed by a man named Haman. Can you all say Haman? All right. The temptation is to look at his name and say He-Man. All right, but... Fellas, don't get excited, or ladies, it's not the 80s, this ain't the warrior he-man, all right, this is Haman. And if you do a little bit of digging, um, Haman, he was a man that was blessed, wise, and gifted. Uh, he worked closely with King David as a songwriter, a musician, and also uh, for his role as a seer, and which means he saw visions from God, was given insight of those visions, and communicated them in writing to God's people. But you see, despite how successful uh, Haman's life may have looked on the outside, he writes what is widely known as one of the saddest psalms in all of Scripture. All right, so if there were a meme that could best describe Psalm 88, it would be this one. All right, so uh, (laughs) Psalm, right, the infamous MJ crime meme, All right? I'm rocking his shoes today in honor of MJ, but that one's funny. All right, so either way. Why would this mean be the best to describe it? Because Psalm 88 is known as a psalm of lament. And the psalms of lament are typically psalms that proclaim the deep sorrows, fears, or shame from sin that a follower of God has experienced, followed by a plea for God's intervention. See, most psalms of lament may begin with sorrow, but then they end with praise. However, this one is a little bit different. It begins with praise, but it ends with sorrow. Now, what is sorrow? According to Oxford's dictionary, sorrows are, and I quote, feelings of deep distress caused by loss, disappointment, or other misfortunes suffered by oneself or others. So pretty much it's to feel or display deep distress. And as we read today's text this morning, you might find it a little depressing. You might find it a little bit dark or even without hope. But the goal of this morning's sermon is to not leave this room without hope. The bottom line for today's message is God provides solace and strength to the sorrowful. You see, when life hurts the most, God is near to us in our pain and provides us with everything we need to endure, to learn from our sorrows, and use our experiences to encourage others until we partake in an eternity where sorrow no longer exists. So the plan for today is to read Psalm 88, the text together, and then I'll walk us through four truths from Scripture. I'll share two applications at the end, and then we'll close together in prayer. So let's read Psalm 88, and we're going to read all 18 verses. You guys can just follow me right with, with your Bibles or on the screens. It says this. This is Haman, in verse 1. He says, Lord God of my salvation, I cry out before you day and night, May my prayer reach your presence. Listen to my cry. For I have had enough troubles, and my life is near show. I am counted among those going down to the pit. I am like a man without strength, abandoned among the dead. I am like the slain lying in the grave, whom you no longer remember and who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest part of the pit. In the darkest places, in the depths, your wrath weighs heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have distanced my friends from me. You have made me repulsive to them, and I am shut in and cannot go out. My eyes are worn out from crying. Lord, I cry out to you all day long. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do departed spirits rise up to praise you? Will your faithful love be declared in the grave, your faithfulness in Abaddon? Will your wonders be known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of oblivion? But I call to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer meets you. Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you hide your face from me? From my youth, I have been afflicted and near death. I suffer your horrors. I am desperate. Your wrath sweeps over me. Your terrors destroy me. They surround me like water all day long. They close in on me from every side. You have distanced loved one and neighbor from me. Darkness is my only friend. Can anyone in this room today resonate with the words of the psalmist here in Psalm 88? Perhaps some of you can relate with the deep affliction that Haman is expressing. Perhaps you feel the weight of his words today when you read in verse 18, and I quote, darkness is my only friend. Whether it's mental, emotional, physical, relational, or spiritual distress that has impacted you personally, whatever is causing you to experience pain today, perhaps you look at these words and might think, Haman, I feel you, brother. You see, to an extent, we can identify with the psalmist's sorrows. It might not be the exact experience as Haman's. His sorrow was unique to his life, just as your sorrows are unique to yours. But perhaps you resonate with some of his words. Now, some of you might be here this morning thinking, there hasn't been a deep enough circumstance in my life that has led me to feel this amount of pain. And if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you, please don't check out of this message. Like Psalm, don't, do not disregard Psalm 88 because the truth is we live in a world that is filled with disappointment and unmet expectations, fear, loss, hurt, evil, and sin. So suffering will come your way. Actually, Jesus guaranteed it to his disciples in John 16, So don't think because you haven't experienced deep sorrow yet that you're immune to it. Like sorrows will come your way, and when they do, it's scriptures like these that will remind us that we are not alone in our sorrow. For the God of the universe remains near, providing solace and strength to the sorrowful. So how does God's word comfort and strengthen us in our troubles? Well, here are a few truths we glean from God's word. We're gonna look at four truths. Can you guys show me four fingers? There's four truths. Everybody say four. Four. Look at four truths in God's word. And here's number one God listens to the sorrowful. So notice the the psalmist's language here. The word cry comes up four times in this passage. And according to verse one, he cried out to the Lord day and night. Even though he suffered constantly, Haman cried out to the Lord in prayer diligently. In the midst of his sorrow, he cried out to the Lord without ceasing. And according to verse 2, he believed that the Lord would hear his cry. You see, no matter how many troubles Haman experienced, no matter how close to death, as he described in verse 3, no matter how deep the situation, verse 4, no matter how dark, verse 6, no matter how weak, verse 4, no matter if he felt alone, verse 5, no matter the weight. Verse 6, no matter how many friends he lost, verse 8, no no matter the amount of tears that he shed, verse 9, he cried out to the Lord all day long, and with utmost certainty, he declares in verse 13 that his prayers reached God. Although Haman suffered constantly, he prayed diligently. As a show of hands, if you remember Verizon's test man. All right, Verizon's test man. So here's a picture just in case uh, to refresh your memory a little bit. But for a decade, this brother was known as one of the most uh, famous actors on television. All right, so that was like when we had cable TV. All right, high schoolers in the room, not everything is streamed like it is now. All right, that wasn't what it was like, like 10, 15 years ago. But this guy would be on these commercials, and he would walk around with a flip phone. And he would be on his flip phone asking whoever he was speaking to on the other line. What was the question? Y'all know it. Can you hear me now? Good. And then he'd take another step. Can you hear me now? Good. And so the, whole, the premise, the point of the commercial was to convince people that Verizon had the best cell coverage to offer in the world. You see, brothers and sisters, when we pray by faith, our prayers reach God. We don't need to walk around asking God repeatedly, God, can you hear me now? Because he hears our prayers just as he did for Haman. And throughout scripture, God invites us to bring our requests to him. And when it comes to our pain, God is fully aware of the circumstances and knows the sorrows we experience. Just as the psalmist declares in Psalm 56, eight, one of my favorite scriptures, it says the Lord keeps track of our wanderings and collects our tears in his bottle, recording each in his book. However, despite Haman's Diligence in prayer, he also questions. In verse 13, he affirms his faith by crying out to God for the third time in this prayer, but then questions why God had apparently rejected him in the following verse, in verse 14. And before we're quick to judge this man for doubting in God, here's a question for you. How many of you have ever cried out to God during a difficult time in your life and believed God to be silent? Or how many of you have gone through such a painful circumstance in your life that rather than drawing closer to God, that circumstance has created a distance between you and him? See, whatever Haman was facing, his affliction felt terrible. As he stated in verse 15, his sorrows began from the moment he was young. And it seems that his troubles had no end. But despite the way he felt about God in his circumstances, he knew that God was his only source of hope. So he continued to pray to the Lord, believing that God was listening and able to respond according to his need. Which brings us to the second point. Number two, God's word provides solace to the sorrowful. God's word provides solace to the sorrowful. So sometimes our circumstances in life seem so dim that it's difficult for us to receive comfort. It might feel as if this pain never goes away, or this person will always disappoint, or this circumstance is like a pit that's too deep to climb out of, or this problem seems permanent. But hear this, God invites those feelings, those thoughts and emotions and distresses when we pray to him. He wants us to bring our burdens to him. And how do we know this? Because this is what this passage is all about. It's a prayer of lament. The Bible gives us permission to bring our frustrations and our questions and our doubts and pain to the presence of God. I mean, just think about it. Why else would God allow sorrowful psalms like these to be included in the biblical canon? Why would God inspire scriptures like these? Why are there biblically inspired accounts of King David's sorrows, of Joseph's tears? of Job's suffering, Paul's persecutions, and the prophet Elijah's plea to die. Like they're here so the scriptures could serve as an example that we are not alone in our sorrows, and we are not far from God, that God draws near to us in the midst of our pain and desires to comfort us right where we are. Like the word of God has the power to comfort us in our sorrow. So God's word serves as a reminder of his presence in the midst of our pain. Like God is not distant, but he is near. And we need his word to remind us of this. Like God's word reminds us of his faithfulness to the generations before us, as we just sang like two songs ago, and his ability to be faithful to us today. Like we see this in verse one, as Haman refers to God with confidence, the very top of this psalm, as the God of his salvation. It's likely that as Haman reflected on God's provision in the past, he believed that God would do it again. So verse 1 is a small glimmer of light within a dark psalm. Even though Haman doesn't declare victory at the end of this psalm, he knows that God is his only source of solace and help. So he cries out to him regardless Trusting him as the God of his salvation. Here's point number three. God's son brings hope to the sorrowful. So if we stay in this text, we won't see much hope, brothers and sisters. But praise God that we have the complete Bible today. Amen? Because when we look at many scriptures that address sorrow, one of the ones that should give us the most comfort, I hope, is this one. It's Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3 through 4. It says, verse 3, he... Was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. So, who is this man of sorrows that's described here? It's the promised one of God, his son Jesus. And why was Jesus despised in such a way? Well, the Bible teaches in the beginning, God created the world along with humanity, and it was good. However, the first man and woman abused of the freedom God gave them and disobeyed God. And as a result of their disobedience, sin entered the world and was imputed to all humanity. And sin has severe consequences. It's eternal death and separation from God. And all people are guilty before God because of their sin. But God in his great mercy and out of love for humanity sent his one and only son, Jesus, to pay the penalty for the sin that we deserve by shedding his blood on the cross for our sin and dying for us. And three days later, Jesus rose from the grave, defeating death and sin. And as a result of his resurrection, for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, they can receive salvation from God and eternal life with him. And this is good news for all of us today. This is good news for you if you're new today and exploring Christianity, if you're yet to submit your, your life to Jesus and trust him as Lord, you can do that this morning. You see, this is the reason why Jesus became the man of sorrows on our behalf. Jesus had to experience pain sorrow and the weight of sin and ultimately death on our behalf so we could be freed from the consequences of sin, which is death, and reconciled to God if we trust in Christ as our Savior. Like Jesus experienced both mental and physical sorrow on our behalf. So think about when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. All right, This is the night before Jesus was arrested and, and murdered, and so he, we have a picture here to kind of help give a little bit of the context, but while Jesus was there, and he's in prayer before the Lord, pleading, asking God for strength, it says in Mark 14, 33, that he was deeply distressed and troubled, and in verse 34, it follows this. He said these words to his disciples. He said, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Like Jesus experienced extreme, the the weight and anguish he felt before his death. And he would soon have to carry out sin on behalf of humanity and be alienated from God his father for a short time. And this brought him deep emotional and mental sorrow. Not only that, he would soon be arrested, although innocent, and spat upon, struck relentlessly, whiplash countless times, have a crown of thorns smashed into his head, be crucified on a cross, and darkness would cover all the earth. His father would forsake him for becoming the sin offering, and he would die on that cross, which from the outside in might look like at that point, darkness was his only friend. But the good news is that Jesus did not remain dead, amen? Amen. He rose again. But sometimes we rush so quickly to his resurrection, as we should, but miss out on the significance of what he accomplished for us on the journey to Calvary and his death on the cross. The man of sorrows experienced physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual sorrow for our sin and suffering so that by faith in him alone, we could be justified before the Father and enter into an eternal relationship with him that would one day lead us to a place of 100% freedom from sin and sorrow. So in the midst of our sorrow, who can identify with us most but the man of sorrows? And who can give us hope in one day overcoming our sorrow? Like none but Jesus can. His very presence in fighting for us, holding us secure, and never leaving us comforts and strengthens our souls. Which brings us to our last point. Number four, God provides strength to the sorrowful. God provides strength to the sorrowful. Like, I don't have all the answers this morning to your troubles. I don't know the exact reasons why you have experienced deep distress in your life. May that be in the present or in the past or maybe what's coming in the future. Like only God knows your pain and the purposes of your pain and his plan to redeem you from your pain. However, the scriptures constantly remind us that he is with us in our sorrow and can use our sorrow for our good and the good of those around us. And you might wonder how can any good come from my pain? How can any good come from our sorrow? We don't have enough time to unpack all of this right now, but just consider a few points we see in other areas of scripture. Consider this, we experience sorrow so that our faith in God would be strengthened and not weakened. So James, the brother of Jesus, actually writes about this in James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. He writes how the trials and suffering we experience are meant to produce joy and strong faith in Christ. Or perhaps we experience sorrows in our life so that our intimacy with God would deepen. I think about Mark chapter 4, while the disciples were on the boat in the midst of a raging storm, and Jesus enters and calms the storm and provides them safety and comfort and security in that moment. Like, in a similar way, our sorrows can draw us closer to God as we find safety in him during the storms of our lives. Or perhaps we experience sorrow so that our earthly and spiritual pride would be removed. And in humility, we would receive God's favor. Like sometimes God allows us to experience hardship so we can be humbled. So it can can lead us to realizing our need for God and the eternal urgency to trust him as Savior. Or perhaps sometimes we experience sorrow so that the comfort that we have received from God would lead us in comforting those who experience sorrow around us. These are the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. He writes about how the trials we face in life can lead us to see people as God sees them with compassion and love. That it helps us, that the experiences, the afflictions that we experience can help us best understand our brothers and sisters when we bear one another's burdens. So listen, church family, our sorrows can help us, can help equip us for deeper ministry to those around us. And these theological truths can be helpful, but what exactly do they mean for us today? Well, I'd like to share just for a few minutes from my personal experience on how God has comforted me amid my sorrows throughout my lifetime. When I think about my, my life story, uh, two major sorrows have a significant impact on me and in my walk with Jesus. The first one is fatherlessness, and the second one is tragic losses. So as Haman described in Psalm 8815, since my youth, I've experienced affliction. At a young age, my parents divorced, and little did I know at the time how that would impact me growing up as a kid. Although my father is alive today and came around every now and then, there was a deep strain in our relationship due to his lack of presence. It left a deep void in my heart that I hoped a man would someday fill. And I did have the opportunity to grow up with a stepfather. However, he was an abusive man that hurt my family mentally, emotionally, and even physically at times. And to this day, I have vivid memories of constant disputes and disappointments and hurt from my childhood, memories of law enforcement's involvement and even the local church getting involved, but it seemed as if it changed nothing, I just continued to struggle and wrestle through these things in our household. And there was times as a kid that I felt like the trials that I was experiencing By living with the with the absent dad, living without my dad in the picture, and and living with an abusive man, we're kind of like Haman describes it in verse seventeen. It felt like the waters of trials were just rushing in and weighing in on me heavy from every side. Tragic loss has been a common thread in my life too. When I was about twelve years of age, my grandfather had a series of strokes that led to significant health challenges in his life. Here's a picture of me when I was a little kid with my grandpa. I'm the kid with the suit, uh, unhappy, but yeah. (laughs) But throughout my middle school years, I watched the health of the strongest man in my family rapidly deteriorate. My experience as a tween after school wasn't coming home and just getting to play sports with friends and being on the basketball team or just hanging out. My experience during my middle school years, I spent a lot of days after school and a lot of summer days visiting my grandfather in the hospital or rehab centers, only to watch him pass away the summer before my sophomore year of high school. And this was truly painful for me and my family. Like the pain I experienced even became an excuse for me to rebel against God in my heart and make poor decisions, seeking love and identity in the wrong places. Four years later, fast forward in my life, another tragedy would follow. Right at the beginning of my sophomore year of college, my best friend from high school, Osei, died in a tragic car accident. There's a picture of me and Osei back at our, I think that was our junior prom when I had no facial hair and also short hair. (laughs) But his death pierced my heart. I felt such a huge void in my life, at the time and fell into a deep depression. And I hit it so well on the outside, but I was hurting so deeply on the inside for a long time. However, it was during that season that the Lord used that experience in my life for me to draw close to the God and not draw far away from him. Like he helped me to realize the brevity of life, how short this life is, and the urgency for me to devote my life to Jesus and begin to walk with him. So it was in late 2009 that I recommitted my life to Jesus and began growing intentionally as a follower of Christ. But my life hasn't been perfect since I started following Jesus. I continue to wrestle with the complexities of living in a fallen world, just like you do. God has given me great joy in my life, both before walking with him and even far greater joy now now that I am walking with him. I mean, he's blessed me with a beautiful family and an amazing church family and academic success and has provided for everything that I've needed. But it's never made me immune to the sin and struggles we face in this life. He made that abundantly clear to me almost three years ago. On the evening of July 31st, I received a text from a sister in our congregation. And I remember when I received this text, I was having dinner with my family at the time. And in broken writing, she was letting me know that her son, Jake, had been in a tragic bicycle accident. And some of you guys had the privilege of knowing Jake. He grew up here at McLean Bible Church the a joy in the heart of our kids' ministry and student ministry for years, and became just a little brother to me. This is a picture of, of he and I in the Dominican Republic on a mission trip uh, just a couple weeks before he passed. But I received this text and I rushed to the hospital I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know the details, and neither did uh, Steve and Jen, his, his mom and dad. And I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, that in a Psalm 88 way, we pleaded in that waiting room that God would preserve Jake's life. And I stood by his bedside for a few minutes pleading that the Lord would save him we cried out to God for a miracle. And the results weren't what we hoped for. And several hours later, just the following morning, Jake passed away from severe injuries to his body. And this led to one of the most difficult seasons I have ever walked through, not just pastorally, but personally. Until this day, I grieve the loss of my grandfather and best friend and my little brother, Jake. But I grieve with hope because of their faith in Jesus that they are alive today more than ever and they are not dead. And in this moment, they're experiencing perfect joy and peace in the presence of Christ. And why do I share all of this? Because now I see it. Fatherlessness and tragedies, these sorrows that have followed me throughout the years, have caused so much pain in my life. But now I see it that God allowed them for me to be shaped into the person that I am today. I'm not perfect. I lack faith sometimes. I wrestle with questions. I still hurt today. I struggle with sin. But God is my strength and healer. And by his grace, he is using me today to break the generational curse of unfaithful husbands and absent dads in my family. And by his grace, he is using me in vocational ministry to deliver the good news of the gospel in this community and shepherd a congregation that wrestles with the consequences of sin and suffering in this life. And by the grace of God, God has helped me to see people how he sees them with eyes of compassion and grace and love. And although I am a broken man standing before you, the wise words of uh, Christian hip-hop artist Lecrae, he says this, God can use crooked sticks to draw straight lines. As Pastor Mike shared two weeks ago, he who begun a good work in us will one day bring it to completion on the day of Christ. Meaning, meaning I am a product of grace that is a, a work in progress, and so are you. God can use your sorrows to strengthen you for his glory, your good, and the good of those around you. So brothers and sisters, I wouldn't share this with you today if I didn't believe this with all of my heart and trust in the Lord's faithfulness. Like my heart is heavy even as i preach this today the, this word is actually for me even though i'm sharing it with you but the lord has proved over and over again the words of psalm 46:1 that he has been my refuge and my strength and my ever-present help during my time of need and this same promise is for you moko family God has not left you. He's not forsaken you, but He is your strength and refuge and ever present help in your time of need. And listen, there are several theological reasons that I can give you for why God would allow you to experience hardship. But pastorally, I know sometimes those theological reasons aren't help, as helpful in the moment when you're experiencing pain. Like sometimes when we're in the midst of our pain, we just want a clear why. And as humans who are limited in knowledge, we cannot always understand God's purposes and his ways. Rather in these moments, we are called to trust in the sovereignty of God. That God allows things to happen in our lives for a reason. And we are called to trust that he remains good Faithful, just, and loving towards us. So, church family, believe and trust today in the four truths that we reviewed from God's Word that God listens to you when you cry out to Him, that His Word gives you a never ending supply of comfort, that His Son is your hope and salvation. And while we wait for eternity, an eternity of no sin and suffering, He promises to strengthen and sustain you all the days of your life. We are called to trust him in the process that he is actively working near us, listening, comforting, sustaining, and strengthening. That is who God is, and that is what he does. There's an old poem. I'm going to go a little bit old school on y'all for a second. There's an old poem I want to share with you today that if you grew up in church, you probably heard it at some point. You might be familiar with it, but it's entitled Footprints in the Sand by Carolyn Carty. I just want to read it to you, and you guys just listen. It says, one night a man had a dream. And this is fiction, by the way. All right, so, All right, so one night a man had a dream. It's not God's inerrant word. All right, so one night a man had a dream. And he was walking along the beach with the Lord. And across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand one belonging to him, and the other belonging to the Lord. And when the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand, and he noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times in his life. And this really bothered him. And he questioned the Lord about it. He said, Lord, you said that once I I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why when I needed you the most, you would leave me. And the Lord replied, my son, my precious child, I love you, and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Perhaps you're in a season right now where all you feel is pain. And feel as if you don't have the strength to carry on. Maybe that's you today. Feeling as if darkness is your only friend. And my encouragement to you is to keep trusting in the Lord as your strength and sustainer. And he will carry you and give you all you need to endure the sorrows you face until the day he frees you from sorrow for all of eternity. Listen to the promise in scripture from Romans 8, 18, declares this from the Apostle Paul. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Brothers and sisters, there will be a day that God will turn our earthly pain into eternal praise. And until then, this is the one way you can respond to to, to today's text." Here's your one takeaway. Share your sorrows with God and with others. Share your sorrows with God and with others. That's all I ask of you today. God alone can provide you the solace and strength that you need through His Word, by His Spirit, and through His church. So run to God, but don't just do it privately, do it in community. Like, I've had some of the most amazing listening ears be present in my life throughout the years. My wife, different pastors, immediate family, faithful friends, all provided comfort through wonderful counsel. And sometimes all I needed was them for just to be present and just listen to me. We need that in our lives. Like God has been my sustainer throughout the years, but I would say this, that one of the vehicles he has primarily used for, to help me walk through the healing process has been the local church. And this is the reason why our, our, our elders and our pastors and leaders urge every single member of our church to join a church group. Because the Bible not only calls us to grow together in Christ and to live together on mission for making disciples, but the Bible is abundantly clear and commands us all throughout the New Testament to care for one another, to share one another's burdens and to encourage each other. And I truly believe that God can help us heal from our pains or sustain us as we go through ongoing pain through a spirit-led local church. So that's why I encourage you, don't walk your journey on your own. Pray without ceasing to the Lord, for he hears your cry and has the ability to to respond. But also share your suffering and community with a mature follower of Christ in your life, or perhaps with your church group this week. Be open about some of the challenges that you've recently been experiencing. Or perhaps the sorrows you are facing are more than what one person or your church group can handle. So maybe you need to invite a professional counselor into your life or a pastor to be able to process some of the traumas of your past and the hardships that you've experienced in a safe and confidential place. And I just want to say as a pastor here at this church, I encourage you that if you are in need, if you would like to talk to a pastor or leader in our church or need recommendations for Christian counseling in our area, you can email mocohelp at McLeanBible.org, And one of our pastors would love to follow up personally with you, process with you, and pray over you. And here's my one last uh, takeaway. If you're here today and you may feel like I'm not burdened by significant pain or sorrow, then the encouragement for you today is to be present with someone in their sorrow. Right, just be present with someone in their sorrow. In a Galatians 6 way, share someone's burdens with them. Like Make yourself available as a friend by listening, praying for, or simply being present with someone who is going through a difficult time. Like take the initiative to reach out and be a faithful friend and get involved in God's work of providing solace and strength to the sorrowful. I want to close our time together in prayer and I want to lead us in that time of prayer. And I want to invite you right where you're at uh, to just take a moment between you and the Lord. And I want to invite you personally to bring your sorrow to God in this moment. Whether that's physical, mental, mental emotional, or relational sorrow. I want to invite you to just come before the presence of God and ask him to comfort and strengthen you today. And if for you it might be a spiritual need, maybe you're wrestling with sin in your life that you need strength to overcome, then I want to invite you to confess that sin before God and ask for his mercy and grace in your life. Whether it's for the first time that you need to confess your sin before Jesus and acknowledge him as Lord and Savior of your life, or may that be as a follower of Jesus, just continuing to trust in his mercies that are new every morning over you. I want to invite you in this moment, just take a minute or two to pray between you and the Lord, and then we'll pray together as a church family. If you're here this morning and you're feeling especially burdened, I want to invite you to do something a little bit bold this morning. If you've been going through a season where you've been experiencing just an immense amount of pain and struggle, the weight of suffering has just been over your life, and I want to pray for you, but I want to invite you right where you're at to just stand. Stand right where you are. If you've been experiencing mental or emotional, physical, relational, spiritual sorrow in your life and you just need prayer today, just want, you to, want to invite you to stand right where you are. And we're going to pray for you as your church family. And Here's what I want to ask the rest of us to do talked about sharing our sorrows and suffering with others but then the second point was to be present with someone in the midst of their sorrows i want to put that into practice right now i want you to look around if you're sitting see the people who are standing be reminded these are your brothers and sisters in christ and as members of this church family we have a responsibility to love and care for these members and to lift them up to the lord so that's what we're going to do right now i want to invite you those of you sitting to just lift your hand and we're going to lay hands over these individuals you can uh, if you want to stand that's fine or if you feel more comfortable sitting but just if for those who are directly around you just turn and just lift your hand over them or if you're nearby and i'm going to close this out in prayer as we lift them up to the lord father your word says psalm 34 18 The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. God, we come before your presence in this moment because we absolutely need you. We don't have the strength to stand on our own. We don't possess the strength to fight sin on our own. We lack wisdom. We it takes us time to process the hardship we experience. We heal at a slow rate and sometimes don't even experience healing in this life. So we call upon you God, the God who is all powerful and who is all knowing and all present. You have no limits absolutely none and we are limitless we are limited beings so we stand humbly before your presence and we bring these brothers and sisters who have stood today before you and we cry out as Haman did you O God of our salvation that you would help these brothers and sisters during their time of trouble that for those who feel as if darkness is their only friend or the rushing waters are raging around them or feel like they are in a deep that is just a pit that is just too deep to climb out of, would you extend your hand to them, God? Would you pull them out of that pit? Would you bring peace in the midst of their storm? God, would you supernaturally comfort and strengthen them in the midst of their pain? And God, would you remind them through your word that you are faithful and true, that you never abandon us, you never forsake us. But your word says that if we draw near to you, that you will draw near to us. So we trust you this morning. So I pray for these individuals that are wrestling with pain from their past or pain in the present. I pray for marriages that are struggling today, for people who are hurting from traumatic experiences in their past as kids or as teenagers. I pray for those who are wrestling through financial hardship. God, for singles who desire to just meet their forever partner, God, and wrestling with feeling alone and living in isolation, God, would you comfort them this morning? Pray for those who are sick, God, physically ill, that you would provide healing in their lives. You are the God of Psalm 103, 3, who has the power and ability to heal all diseases. We ask for your healing in this moment. Pray for those who are wrestling spiritually with sin in their life, or that to the extent that the shame and guilt of their sin is so overwhelming that they feel crushed. Pray, God, that you would overwhelm them with your grace in this moment that they will believe the words of Lamentations 3, that your mercies are new every morning. Your grace abounds, even when our sin abounds, your grace abounds far more. So God, I pray that you will meet them with grace and love and compassion and help us in this congregation as followers of Jesus to share one another's burdens, to care for one another, to be devoted and committed to each other because that is what you call us to do in your word. Help us to be obedient to these things. We need you, God. Would you be our strength, refuge, and ever-present help during our time of need? And we pray this in your name.